And I see this in people a lot where they say, you know, I'm going to sleep less in order to get more done. I need more waking hours. What do I do? I steal from the sleeping hours. To, you know, that formula doesn't work at all. The less sleep we get, the less we get done, actually. We don't do things well. We don't do them efficiently, accurately. We're just not at our peak. So I need to stress to people that sleep, sleeping is very productive. It's a very productive time. Our minds and bodies are at work, furiously at work, repairing, regenerating, rejuvenating, everything you can imagine. There's all these things going on that really helps us function in the waking hours. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Terry Crawley is a registered nurse, certified clinical sleep educator, and certified professional in healthcare quality who specializes in sleep health and wellness. A national speaker, educator, and author on sleep, Terry is the co-founder of a four-bed sleep disorder clinic and has served as a consultant to a variety of industries and organizations on the topic of sleep health. Her work in the field of sleep medicine has included clinical research in insomnia, as well as advocating for educational initiatives, such as drowsy driving prevention. As a frequent speaker and guest lecturer on the topic of sleep for schools, universities, sleep clinics, U.S. corporations, and employee wellness companies, Terry educates a wide variety of audiences on the critical importance of sleep to physical and psychological health, growth and development, safety, optimum functioning, productivity, peak performance, and quality of life. I am so happy to have you here today, Terry. This is such an important topic. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, Erin. I really appreciate it. So first, I would love to find out because I don't know what this exactly entails. What is a certified clinical sleep educator? This is a certification through the Board of Registered Sleep Technologists. And I'm a registered nurse, not a sleep technologist, but believe me, I've <laughs> I've worked with a lot of them when we do the sleep studies. They are amazing people with an incredible skill set. Um, they they know how to read all of these wavelengths and brain waves, and it, it's amazing. So anyway, it's a certification that enables us to truly do effective patient teaching when it comes to sleep. And I have found, obviously, as a nurse, I started off doing just patient teaching. And now I'm doing it on a broader scale, including patients, but more of the general public and certain workshops and seminars. So we hopefully we are armed with the really good information on updated sleep health information and research findings and are able to effectively communicate that to anyone who will listen. Wonderful. So I would love for you to share with us the importance of sleep on physical, psychological, child development. Absolutely. Let me just start by saying, I'm a registered nurse and I went to school about a hundred years ago. And I'll tell you, it just was not a thing that we talked about. 
really to any great extent. My understanding of it was limited. I think I was sort of on the same level of understanding as most people. It was, you know, if I have time to get some sleep, I will. If I don't, I'll power through it and life goes on. So interestingly, during some clinical research that I was working on, an insomnia study came up and I met some sleep doctors. And one of them said, well, come to our clinic and see what we do because it, it sounded fascinating. But I thought, well, gosh, I don't know much about this, but you know, what is there to know, really? You, you get to sleep, you don't, you know, I was just so basic. So I, I spent a week sleeping during the day and working at night, watching the sleep studies go on in a, in a sleep clinic in Texas. And I tell you, Erin, I was hooked. I was hooked because I realized and I started learning, that started it, how important sleep is to every single aspect of our functioning. I mean, everything. And I was just fascinated. I'm still as fascinated today as I was then. And here's what's so important to convey in our talk today. It's sleep deprivation is so much more than being sleepy. And by saying that, you look at sleep and or the lack of it impacts everything and it impacts our physical health. I mean, all kinds of serious, serious health conditions are associated with sleep deprivation. It impacts our mental health, lots of things going on that are impacted by whether we get sleep or we don't. And then aspects of our personalities, aspects of how we function and how we perform, how we learn. I mean, it really impacts our relationships, how we learn things, how we relate to people. You know, it affects our ethical behavior. It affects judgment, reaction time, problem solving, organizational skills. I mean, it just crazy how it really impacts everything. So I know that's a broad brush to sort of start with, but I think it's important to get the word out. And it's important for people to be a lot more cognizant of it than they have been. I think a lot of us have pretty poor relationship with sleep and the concept of sleep. You know, we look at sleep as, well, I'm not getting things done. I need to be awake to get things done. And I see this in people a lot where they say, you know, I'm going to sleep less in order to get more done. I need more waking hours. What do I do? I steal from the sleeping hours too. You know, that formula doesn't work at all. The less sleep we get, the less we get done, actually. We don't do things well. We don't do them efficiently, accurately. We're just not at our peak. So I need to stress to people that sleep, sleeping is very productive. It's a very productive time. Our minds and bodies are at work furiously at work, repairing, regenerating, rejuvenating, everything you can imagine. There's all these things going on that really helps us function in the waking hours. So for adults, most all adults need seven to nine hours in every 24-hour time period. You said so many things in there that were just so important and so interesting. And and I'm going to get to kids here in a minute. We'll talk about kids and their sleep too. But you know, I'm on a, I've always been an athlete and I kind of got away from that and I'm getting back to it. And so I'm now working on my fitness and my health. And I got a little apparatus that basically measures my metabolism to see how I'm burning fuel. And one of the things that it looks at is sleep. Mm-hmm. It, it also measures my, through my phone, through the app, it measures my sleep. And that's such an important piece to, you know, my ability to perform as an athlete and to get to the level of health that I want to be. And that's just one small area for me right now, but just 
all the things you're talking about, like for kids, Mm -hmm. you know, their development, they are developing so much so quickly and sleep is so, so important to their cognitive and physical and emotional and all of their development. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's just such an important point. So if you could talk about sleep by age, because you talked about adults need like seven to nine hours of sleep a night. And I'm sure there's also some things about the quality of that seven to nine hours. But let's talk a little bit about kids. Like what sleep, what do you know about sleep for kids? What should we be kind of shooting for with our kids by age? Before we get into every age group, you know, there's a category of, you know, between this age and this age. Right. But the age group right behind us as adults are the teenagers and they need 9.25 hours of sleep every night. And this is a concerning statistic. It's alarming because most teenagers do not get that. And we are doing them a huge, huge disservice. I mean, everything is at stake. Everything is at stake when they don't get enough sleep. So a lot of things that we attribute, say, to teenage angst could actually just be sleep deprivation and nothing more. But it's so serious. I mean, the things we see in that age group often, you know, things like, uh, say, high-risk taking. That's related. People take more risks and have poor judgment when they're sleep deprived. Sleep deprivation is also connected with substance abuse. Um, that, and obviously that age group, they're, they're being exposed to things, you know, that they hadn't been previously. Drowsy driving accidents. This is very concerning thing because they're new drivers. You know, look at a 16-year-old who just got a driver's license and they're not getting 9.25 hours of sleep a night. Drowsy driving, I hate the term because I think it's awfully benign sounding, you know, drowsy driving. It's very deadly driving and it's as deadly and as serious a problem in our society as drunk driving and it should be handled, you know, as such. That's how dangerous it is. Right. So then, and then we have physical problems, Aaron, like obesity. We're seeing a climbing obesity rate in kids of all ages, but this obesity is connected to sleep deprivation. And that's a problem. And obviously our metabolism, you're talking about athleticism and things. I mean, we if we're going to get a handle on the obesity issue, we have to get a handle on sleep. And we have to make a good night's sleep accessible to children of all ages, and especially our teens. And here's the problem. We start high schools at 7.20 in the morning. And I'm speaking from experience. My high school started, the first class was at 7.30. Mine was at 725. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was really early. (laughs) It's so early. And I'm on the board of directors for Start School Later. And this group has done amazing things. But I tell you, we've been up against some incredible challenges just trying to get the word out that the teenagers need sleep because people push back and say, well, you're coddling them. Well, no, biology the biology of a teen's brain, I mean, this is a obviously learning and development are critical in all the children's years, but in, in a teen's brain, what we found is the melatonin production starts later at night. It kicks in later. And for parents who aren't sure what melatonin is. Yes, that's a hormone that helps us fall asleep and stay asleep. And it's prompted by darkness. It usually starts its production at night and helps people fall asleep. But in teenagers, it starts later. So their body clock is adjusted a little. It's a little wonky there for a while. It's not a permanent thing, but it's a little wonky. 
And then there'll be more, you know, telling them to fall asleep at 8.30 at night is not realistic and not doable. So they're going to fall asleep later and want to sleep later in the morning. So we're, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle to say, now get out of bed, you know, at five to catch the bus to be in school by 7.30. This is a huge problem. And the problem is, is further impacted by the fact that sleep deprivation leads to anxiety. It's been associated with anxiety, depression, and then serious things like aggression, school, bullying. There's a lot more bullying associated with people that aren't getting sleep. I mean, it really affects how we see the world. We're less motivated. We're less optimistic. And it can really darken our mood and our outlook. We may lose, you know, say we had hobbies and friends and things we liked before. If we're not getting our sleep, all that can go to the wayside. So I don't think we should write it off as teenage angst. We should say there's a biological need that needs to be met and that's sufficient sleep. And we have to have healthy school start times that can accommodate that. I mean, we're doing them a huge disservice. So we are trying to get the word out about that. Suicide rates have been linked to lack of sleep, suicide ideation and and suicide. That's a problem. And obviously violence in schools, we're, we're just not paying attention to sleep in the way we should. And that's, I mean, to an extent, somewhat understandable. Now, back in 1606, Shakespeare wrote that sleep is the chief nourisher in life's feast. You know, he had it right how he described sleep. But then you fast forward to the 1870s, Thomas Edison was quoted as saying, sleep is a criminal waste of time. And I think, I think a lot of people have embodied that. And I think for a while we have glamorized, idealized, and even idolized people that said, I'm incredibly successful because I don't sleep or I've learned not to get as much sleep as I power through it because saying I'm not sleeping instead I'm working. It's just sort of this odd and very incorrect display of, you know, being driven, being motivated, being a high success kind of type A personality I'm going to achieve. And so on some level, we've equated sleeplessness with success. We've made that leap. It's a false leap and a horrible one to make because you can't, okay, statistically, less than 1% of the adult population are, are short sleepers, less than 1%. But I can't tell you, I just cannot tell you how many people I meet who say, oh, I've learned. They'll say, Terry, I, I, I get the whole seven to nine hours, but I've learned how to get by without it. And then I go, really? You know, I'm sort of trying to find the gentle words to, to respond. But, you know, two minutes later, they're telling me, oh, and then, then they go through the list of health problems they have. And then they go through, you know, and I'm thinking, Oh, and then job dissatisfaction. They don't like their their job. I mean, then I get into all these other things, relationship problems. It's sort of weird how that's all seen as something completely separate. And I'm going, no, no, no. It goes, it all trickles back to sleep. And, And we even in healthcare used to look at sleep, diet, and exercise as the three pillars of well, you know, health and wellness and and quality of life. It's not true anymore. We don't look at it in that sort of in that visual model anymore. It's not three pillars. It's a triangle. And sleep is actually the foundation. Most every aspect of our diet and exercise depends on sleep. I mean, it's that foundational. It's the keystone. And it's square one. So it seems to me like, if, if you know, when parents are struggling either themselves in their own lives or with their kids and behavior, one of the first areas 
we should be starting with is sleep. Yeah. Just to get that foundation super solid because that may or likely will at least to some degree help fix some of those issues. And then what's left can be addressed by other things that are happening. But without that sleep, you may never get to the bottom of it. I'm so glad you said that. So here's here's my mantra is talk about sleep early and often with kids. Do it in the daytime. I'm talking two-year-olds, three-year-olds. Keep doing it. But the earlier you start, the more likely that child is going to be on a trajectory in life that brings all the good stuff, good physical health, good mental health, good outlook, happiness, joys, sense of humor, ability to learn and do well in a classroom setting, in school, however, you know, they will be better learners. They will remember things. I mean, emotional regulation, everything that contributes to a happy, healthy, and long life can be routed back to sleep. So that's so important. And are we good role models? You know, as adults, when we want to start doing that with our kids, I mean, think of this, we get kids to brush their teeth Do they fully understand dental care and cavities at an early age? No, it's an inevitable and non-negotiable part of the bedtime routine, correct? So we have to look at sleep. It's a non-negotiable, inevitable thing. It has to happen, but we can make it easier and better. And by how we can do that is approach sleep in a positive way with kids. You get to go to bed. Don't wait until you're both having the bedtime battles at night. Everyone gets irritable and obnoxious when they're tired. Kids and adults. Adults lose their patience. Kids want to stay up, fear of missing out. I mean, putting a kid in a dark room and saying, lie down for the next 12 hours, that's a tall order. So are we going to get them to understand sleep? Probably not until they're a little further along. But what we can do is modify that behavior. Every kid needs a bedtime routine and every adult needs one. It's the best way we have now of of ensuring a sufficient amount of sleep. That bedtime routine done at the same time every night, repetitive, boring, but pleasant. It helps transition minds and bodies from wakefulness to sleep. So we have to have that in place. But can we do things to make it more pleasant for both the caretaker, adult, parent, and for the child, yeah, there, there are things we can do. We have to start empowering children and make it more of an interactive process rather just passive. You're going to do this, you're going to do that, then you're going to get in bed and that'll be it. No. What pajamas would you like to wear? Or the next time we go shopping, you get to pick your pillow, you know, whatever is age appropriate. You get to pick, you know, a, a blanket to sleep with. Empower the child and have them participate in the process. And again, you're going to have to stay as positive as you can, have a pleasant activity at, at, at the bedtime routine, something they look forward to. I mean, it's a very meaningful part of the day. It's a beautiful way to end the day if it's done correctly. But we don't want negative associations. We also don't want to send a child to bed early for punishment. That's giving the wrong message or letting them stay up late as a reward. And we also don't want yo-yo sleeping for any age group you know, undersleeping during the week and then tons of oversleeping on the weekend. I'm not saying don't oversleep on the weekend if you if you haven't for any reason got enough sleep during the week, but we don't want to make that a just sort of the, the route you take on a permanent basis because now we know the research is showing we may not be able to undo some of that damage that's done to our bodies 
from all week long, not getting enough sleep. I mean, there's damage done on a cellular level when we're sleep deprived. There's like short-term damage, long-term damage. So we don't know if we can undo it. So that regularity of a regular bed and wake time that allow for the amount of sleep you need by age really helps ensure. So you want that rhythm, want it every day of the week. But, you know, bedtime routine, back to the kids. Can they choose their pajamas? Let them have say in things. Let them tell you the three good things that happened to them during the day. Let them verbalize that. It's a wonderful time for bonding. Obviously, stories and books are are fabulous. But, you know, if a child picks, you know, give them choices. Here, you get this book or this book. Which one will it be tonight? Anything we can do. And, you know, it's interesting. Stress and sleep have a wonderful sort of circular relationship. More sleep we get, the less stressed we are. And sleep gives us resilience. It provides us with resilience. There's a beautiful quote out there. I don't know, beautiful. I just think it's so, it's so telling. It says, sufficient sleep is Kevlar for the mind. I mean, it just makes us bulletproof in so many ways. I, I think it sort of equips a child with just a good attitude and, I, and an I can do attitude and an upbeat attitude. And then definitely reward a child for sleeping through the night, for staying in their bed. You know, it's always a process and things fluctuate as children grow. They can go through stages where they go to bed on time, stay in their beds. And then two weeks later, they're up every five minutes and wanting attention. I think you have to just sort of dispassionately walk a child back to bed. Don't do a lot of negative attention is better than no attention. I mean, just sort of be robotic and matter of fact and walk them back to bed, praise them for getting into bed. And I mean, really in the morning, anything they can do for stickers and then self I want, I want children to reward themselves for doing it right and, and having good sleep habits. They can, you know, make themselves little stars any way they, that you think is an appropriate reward system. Just a little ownership goes a long way for the kids. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. 
Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. So a couple things I wanted to bring up. So you were talking about like all of the issues that sleep can bring up and it, it just, that when you don't get enough sleep and one of those things, it just sounds like it, it really has a really dramatic effect on critical thinking. And it's that critical thinking that allows us to make all so many decisions mm-hmm. to be able to manage our emotions and mm-hmm. and so how important it is for that to keep that part of the brain active mm-hmm. and a little more engaged than the more limbic part of the brain where we're just reacting. Right. Um, and you also were talking about teenagers. Mm-hmm. Teenagers are really developing that frontal lobe, mm-hmm. which is the planning and the goal setting and the critical thinking and all of those organization, like all of those skills that are coming on board. Mm-hmm. So when you were talking about teens missing sleep or not getting enough sleep, like those are those critical functions. That's a critical part of the brain that's developing in those years. So without that sleep, they may, and then also that when you're talking about that yo-yo sleeping, that that part of the brain that's developing during that time could be potentially very affected. Mm -hmm. So some things to, to definitely keep in mind. I'm going to, I'm going to look at my kids get quite a bit of sleep. We, we set up sleep in our house very early. We were very adamant about that being a very important part of, you know, healthy eating, mm-hmm. good sleep, mm-hmm. all that because it's such a foundation for everything. So I'm, I'm pretty sure they're getting that, and their school starts later. I have an eight thirty mm-hmm. starter, and my other two start at nine. So we're also lucky; they go to sleep at nine, and they sleep until about seven in the morning. So I think they're probably getting good. Yeah, I think they're. I think not can't do the math that quickly, but I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, but you know, very yeah. important. And then the routines, I talk about that too. I, mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up because it's that bedtime routine. The mind starts to connect that, oh, this is time for me to slow down mm-hmm. and get ready for sleep. Mm-hmm. This is what I do every night as I get ready for sleep. And then that connection is so important that, mm-hmm. you know, and kids love that. Like they love to like mm-hmm. snuggle with the parents and have a book, sing a song. Mm-hmm. My kids, one of the things they did a lot and they, my daughter just asked for this the other night out of the blue scratches. She loves like little scratches on her arm and her back. All my kids used yeah. to love that when they were little. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah. you know, they just go limp and they're just like, Oh, and the other mm-hmm. night she's like, can I have yeah. some scratches? I'm like, sure. <laughs> that's a good thing so it's just whatever it is that will help your child you know settle down and brings that connection and and it makes that bedtime not something negative but something very positive it does and I think a couple of things to be vigilant about is you know people will say oh you know my child's sort of quieted and, and chilling out a little bit and then we go into the bathroom and 
there's 400 toys in the bathtub and the bright bathroom lights. Be aware of how bright that bathroom, you know, for all the things we have to do and brushing teeth and, and bath time and, and things. If that light is too bright, that will affect the melatonin production and kind of get their second wind. And I would even say as the evening wears on, make sure they're not, they don't have bright lighting in the house. Nothing too bright because that will sort of give them that wind that we don't want to give them at all for sure. And not too many distractions, say in the, in the bedroom in terms of toys in their line of sight. Right. I still talk to parents that are doing the, you know, I'm going to do monster spray or whatever for, we don't, we don't want to encourage anything like that. I mean, yeah, I've had, I've talked about that too. You know, we don't want to let kids think like, Oh, there actually are monsters, but when I'm here, I protect them and keep them away. And here's what I'm going to do. It's, Still that yeah. there's no such thing as monsters. You're safe. I'm going to look in your closet and look under your bed. There's nothing here. You're safe. Mm-hmm. You need a little extra light. You need a night light. Or you want a lovey. But just being that, you know, honest and realistic, not like some magical thinking. <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of reassurance is key, of course. But I also think that kids, you know, they're more comforted and falling asleep better and sleeping better through the night. When, when bedtime is, is calm for both parties or all parties, whoever's involved, I think this is where, you know, we have a funny thing. I do a lot of podcasts and I always, when I do these sort of relationship ones, we say, go to bed mad, you know, don't try to work out some emotional issue late at night when you're both tired, because we know um, in some of the studies that they're from Australia, if you're awake more than 16, 17 hours, you start actually behaving like someone who's had one too many adult beverages. I mean, that's how we start deteriorating, you know, in in fact. So that's not a time. That's not a time to start through it. And and I wouldn't bring up any issues, whether you have a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a 18-year-old, you know, that's not the time to start fights, to work on things, you know, or, or disagreements and things. Keep it a real chill, mellow time. So people can sort of you know, every even kids, when their head hits the pillow, they'll think about things, worry about things. Yeah. So that's why I do like to do that three, three good things that happen. I talk about worries. Other issues can be brought up for people of all ages earlier in the day. I do tell adults to write out their list of either to-dos, to worry about, whatever it is, at the end of their workday. And they're less likely to have that racing mind at bedtime, actually. It's sort of, it's on paper, it looks manageable. They dealt with it earlier at the end of their workday. So it's sort of, it's a one and done. So that's good. I would make sure your children get natural light early in the morning to reset their body clocks. You know, if they want to, and obviously the electronics, that's a huge issue. Unfortunately, we see it earlier and earlier with younger children, really having a lot of screen time. And I would you know, obviously advice against that for anyone close to bedtime. I would try to do at least two hours of no screen. One, if, you know, if push comes to shove, but two would be ideal to have no screens. And then to do with other activities in the evening. So even how adults manage their time are are impacted by sleep or lack of because of this prefrontal cortex connection. And are we really making good judgment about screen time. Since the more well-rested I am, the more, I think, better decisions I make about 
when is the TV on? When is it? I mean, now if I turn a TV on in the evening, it just almost seems <laughs> intrusive. And too, I, I mean, it's my quiet time. It's I, I'm doing other things, but I think we should look at how we spend time and as role models to our children. Do we plop down in front of the television every single night after dinner and do screens until bedtime? Why not go for a walk? I love when you brought up, you know, athletics, a little bit of exercise. If you haven't been sleeping well, if you haven't been, say, you know, getting things done like you should, you know, and but you haven't connected it to sleep. Exercise is so conducive to sleep. And then the better you sleep, the more likely you're, you have in terms of decision making and, and motivation and energy to exercise. So that's another cycle sort of relationship, a two-way street. Positive feedback. Yeah. Yes. It's that positive feedback loop. I think an evening walk, if it, it's it's fine. There used to be sort of the often repeated sleep hygiene tip was don't do any exercise late in the day. But it really depends upon your chronotype. Some people are morning larks. Some people are night owls. You know, you've heard that. Some people are sort of in between. Some of it's genetic. Some of it we can modify a little bit with some tweaks. But I, you know, I've never been to get up at 5 a.m. and hit the gym. I can't do it. I'm a night owl. And I hit the gym in the evening and I sleep just fine. I'm usually asleep by 10 o'clock. But evening exercise does not mess up my sleep. So I actually wanted to get to this sleep issue versus a sleep problem. So if you could talk about the difference between those and um, and then, you know, how to handle these, these discuss some sleep problems that children may have that require professional intervention. We should consider sleep to be a vital sign. It's so foundational and fundamental to every aspect of our function. I mean, everything. We have to address it. It should be addressed at every single healthcare provider encounter. And people should also get to a healthcare provider if there is a sleep issue. Don't assume it's behavioral because it could be a sleep disorder, which is easily diagnosed and well-managed and therefore getting um, a family member, child, or or whomever back, back on track with sleeping. So always address it. Never avoid going to it. I still have a lot of people say, oh, going to a sleep specialist, is that covered by insurance? Well, it is. Absolutely it is. So there's sleep physicians all over the country. You can go on the American Academy of Sleep Medicine for directories of sleep clinics, sleep physicians, that kind of thing. So definitely don't ignore that any sleep problem. So just to like, just to clarify, like in my work, like I let parents know like kids getting out of bed a bunch, Mm -hmm. that's a behavioral thing, right? Like that's like, they're just not staying in bed right? or, you know, middle of the night wake-ups, maybe a a behavioral thing where they just need to learn to stay in their room, but it might be some, it might be a sleep problem. Things like nightmares and night terrors and lots of movement during the night. It might be something else. Absolutely. Young children can have all of these. So it's, you can't overlook it. Look for, I mean, snoring, the trouble. I mean, even really restless sleep, but also look at daytime functioning. You know, if a kid's always falling asleep in the car, I mean, it could be behavior or a a disorder, but you have to note how tired they are during the day. I mean, it's, is it, are they falling asleep in school? Always, I think, good communication with a child's teacher about those kinds of things. Kids usually don't fall asleep when they're bored. 
you'll just get antsy or things. Now we talk about an inability to focus. We've, we've had a lot of research on hyperactivity actually being an issue with not enough sleep for whatever reason. So again, don't ignore it or attribute it to something until you've looked at sleep. You know, push it back to square one. If there are behavior problems at school, in the home, you know, you, it goes both ways. Right. Look, look at the sleep. And if the sleep doesn't look right, get that checked out. Don't, don't ignore that at, at all. Because if, if we don't want to have that go on and on and have all the deleterious effects from that going unchecked. And going into adulthood that they then have to deal with. Right. Well, this has been wonderful. It's wonderful information. Um, if you would like to share with the audience where to find you, how to find you, how to get more information that you have to share about all this great information on sleep. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, this has been fun. I w- am with the Better Sleep Council and that's bettersleep.org. They have great information on sleep tips, sleep hygiene tips. Just They do some really interesting surveys about sleep in general. They have great information about optimizing the sleep environment. Adults as well as children should really, we should really probably pay more closer attention to how conducive the bedroom is for sleeping because that's actually <laughs> the primary the primary function. That's a really important point too. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really important. So we look at those and there's some really cool things online. Again, get your children interested in sleep. There's some fun facts. Look up fun facts about sleep. You know, dolphins sleep with half their brain is asleep, half is awake. I mean, there's fun facts that kids can kind of get, you know, that will start a discussion uh, about sleep. And when you talk about the benefits of sleep to children, talk about the daytime benefits. You know, they're sort of not going to understand that I'm going to lie down in the dark for 10 hours. But if you talk about the daytime benefits, kids love to hear about growing bigger and stronger. That's really appealing to young children. And that's exactly what sleep provides. Sleep helps us, you know, in terms of jump roping and and playing soccer and and throwing the ball in the right place that sleep helps us do that. Sleep helps us be happy, helps us keep our friends. I mean, always emphasize the daytime benefits. There's um, bedtime calculators are on the web. Those are great. Kids can, you know, you can go by your age and say, okay, at seven years old, you can go and here's, I'm seven. I need X amount of hours of sleep every night. What time should my bedtime be? And what time should I wake up? And that that way, you're not the bad guy. The parent's not the bad guy saying, it's time for bed. You know, you got to go to bed. It's, oh no, the bedtime calculator. You know, this is your bedtime and you get to go to bed. And it's sort of not a, I don't know, it's just not this arbitrary number that you've pulled out. Um, it, it's, they understand it. That kind of stuff is available online. So I do encourage you to look up some of these resources. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine has all the categories grouped by age of how much sleep children need all the way through um, geriatric people who still need seven to nine hours. They don't need less as they get older. But, you know, look at all of the age ranges and make sure your child is getting the right amount of sleep and make sure um, that, you know, it's presented in a positive light always and be a good role model. I think that's that's the way to do it. And then I guess inspiring and motivating and hopefully the kids will catch on and and maybe prioritize sleep a little better than we did in the last <laughs> 50 years, right? 
Yeah. I love my sleep. I have no problem. Sometimes I'm like, all right, kids, I'm going to bed, shut yourselves down. <laughs> and they do. That's I, I think, see, and I mean, I, when you view it as a positive and don't try to fight it, it's a biological need. We wouldn't say, well, I'm going to try to get by with less water than I need today. You know, and if I'm thirsty, I'll ignore it and plow right through it. We don't do that. Right. It's a biological need. And I think it's a responsible thing. I think we're teaching children. I mean, to me, it's just a responsible self-care habit. To me, it's the ultimate me time. We know sleeping is a productive time. It's just sort of hard to describe it and articulate it to kids as well as adults, right? Well, and we work through stuff while we sleep. Like oh. our brains work things out while we sleep. Look at Paul. Okay. Sir Paul McCartney, I will admit right now, a huge Beatles fan. <laughs> so Sir Paul came up with the melody for yesterday. He, he said he woke up, the melody was in his head. He had been dreaming the whole thing out. And fortunately where he was staying, there was a piano close to the bed. So he didn't forget it. And that's how uh, we got that. Lots of, oh, you'll, you'll read about writers. Famous authors have come up with a plot line in, in, in a dream or, or they just wake up at 3am and say, oh my gosh, that was, that's exactly what I was looking for. So keep, always keep something by the bed. If you want to record an idea that comes to you. Yeah. Very. That's a great point too. Mm -hmm. Great idea. Well, thank you so much. This was so enlightening. Oh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And if you have any, you know, questions, feel free. I'm on Twitter at Power of Sleep. Um, you can always DM me for any questions about sleep and I'll be happy to answer. Great. Thanks for coming. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.